What's up, y'all? It's Kavya, and welcome back to the 35th episode of Women on the Mic. Today, I'm so excited to have Morgan Alexander, who played lacrosse for Syracuse University, with me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, You know, I know you recently graduated with a sports broadcasting degree. You just talked about that. Um, But how does it feel to be an alumni? It's really exciting. I mean, obviously, it's bittersweet. You know, you go to Syracuse for six years and it's been a part of something that I've been doing for so long. So it was definitely hard to walk away, but it's super exciting to start this next chapter of my life. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, I want to talk a lot about your journey with lacrosse, especially at Syracuse, but how'd you get started with sports and lacrosse in general? Um, So my dad played lacrosse in high school when he was younger. And um, when I started playing sports he kind of introduced it to me and when I was younger I really didn't like it very much I was always like I don't like this I can't catch I can't catch I don't want to play this sport and then after a while um, I just fell in love with it by the time I hit eighth grade and I would not ever have a lacrosse stick out of my hand like I was obsessed with lacrosse I would practice every single day I remember my dad would get nervous. Like if we were out and about and it was getting dark because I would cry if I couldn't play wall ball every day. Like I had to play every day. So that was like the relationship I had with my dad where he would play catch with me and shoot with me every single day before and after practice. Like it was just like a bonding thing for him and I. So it started out as him introducing it to me and me hating it and then me loving it and dragging him outside with me every day. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, You know, given that a lot of my listeners are um, student athletes themselves and, and, you know, figuring out if they want to play in college or not, how did you decide, you know, Syracuse is the place you wanted to go? And, you know, what were some of the factors that went into that decision? Yeah. So when I was younger, I knew I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. That Mm -hmm. was a huge thing in my life and I I knew I wanted to pursue that and Syracuse has the best program um, in the country for sports broadcasting so when I was looking at the college recruiting process Syracuse is an hour from home mm-hmm. um, Newhouse is Newhouse and the lacrosse program is very good so it all came down to like I knew I wanted to go to Syracuse I knew I knew I knew but I needed to get recruited and I honestly didn't put all my eggs in one basket though like I lucked out that um a lot of the camps I went to were in Syracuse because I'm an hour away so like if you're from this area you have to go there for like club like stuff like that so they ended up seeing me there and just recruiting me and um I also looked at Notre Dame and a couple other schools um Mm -hmm. in the ACC but uh ultimately I knew you know as hard as it was to make the decision I knew academically Syracuse was the perfect fit so I tell people like if you have a lot of coaches that are looking at you start looking to weed them out I would look at what you want to do academically because that kind of can help you narrow down your decision and honestly it'll help you figure it out a lot sooner because academics comes first I mean you have to get a job when you're done so lacrosse is just a bonus so I think finding the program that fits you best academically and then be like oh awesome like oh Duke has this program I got recruited here that's perfect yeah, and everything kind of fall into place that way. Yeah, I think that's awesome that you, you know, prioritize that you knew you wanted to be a sports broadcaster and then, you know, playing lacrosse at Syracuse, like that's, that's perfect. So that's, that's great advice. Um, jumping in, into your time at Syracuse, I know 
you've kind of often described it as filled with adversity. I know you've had a lot of your fair share of injuries there. Um, and, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you've had five knee surgeries over your time there, which is, it's incredible. And, and the fact that you keep kept coming back and fighting through that is, is amazing. But can you talk about kind of your first injury uh, playing lacrosse at Syracuse and just your physical and mental response during that experience? Yeah. Um, so in high school, I never got hurt. I honestly, like I, we laughed. I've played in every single thing, probably overdid it sometimes. Like I always wanted to play. Yeah. So I went to college and I got hurt my sophomore year, my freshman year, I got hurt a little bit. And so I redshirted. And then my sophomore year, I really, really got hurt to the point where like I tore my ACL, MCL, both meniscus, dislocated my kneecap. I had permanent bone damage in that knee. We didn't know if I'd ever play again because it was so bad. And I remember in that moment, like, I remember telling myself I never want to play again. I was like, this is horrible. This pain is horrible. Like, I can't even breathe. I'm hyperventilating. Like, they put a rain jacket over my knee so I couldn't look at it because it was so gross. And um, within a couple of days, I was like, nah, I'm going to come back and play. But I think in that moment, it's one of those things where you don't know what's going on. You, you haven't had an injury like that. And when it happens to you, you, you kind of feel lost for a little bit. You don't know what to expect with the surgeries. You don't know where to go from there. Will you ever be the same player? All these things go through your head and they continually go through your head until you come back and play again. Yeah. So it's definitely a grind mentally for sure um, that year for me. And, but I have to say, I think the first year was the easiest. Um, when I kept getting hurt, that's when it got harder and harder because I saw my time at Syracuse dwindling and dwindling and I had yet to be able to step on the field. And um, I think the hardest surgery that I had was um, my ACL I tore last year. Um, I tore my other one. So wow. I had all these surgeries, four surgeries on my right one and I was doing fine. And so I was like, all right, I'll take my fifth year, do sports broadcasting. It was all great. I was like, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. That's God's plan. Cause I believe in God's plan. Like it is God's plan. And yeah. I remember at the time I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is what I wanted. This is what I dreamed of. Yeah. And I just stepped weird and tore my left. And in that moment, I was like, this can't be real life. Like, how can I go through all of this at such a young age? Like what, you know, I don't understand. And, um, that was the hardest one for me because COVID hit. I was doing all the physical therapy by myself. Yeah. Um, I didn't get ice. I got nothing. It was, by my, it was, it was hard. I mean, this last year was very hard on me and um, especially just like the, the defeat that I felt. And in yeah. that moment, I was like, I'm never going to play lacrosse again when I tore it because I was like, yeah. in that moment I was graduating, right? Like I was done. I was blessed enough to be able to come back for a six year because um, I, I got admitted to another master's program and did that too mm -hmm. but in the moment I it was not my plan to take a six-year my yeah. plan was to graduate and get a job and mm -hmm. I think it was just such an overwhelming feeling of just my plans I'm a very I plan and it was just crushed all at once I was starting yeah. every game I was playing really well that I tear my ACL and then I'm like oh my gosh I want to play again because I'm the personality I mean if you ask me right now I want to play again next year because I have another year of eligibility but mm -hmm. I know I can't because my knees are so bad but in that moment I'm like I am coming back I yeah. want to go out on my own terms that's what I'm going to do and that was the hardest one out of all of them for me to be honest was just the recent one yeah yeah I mean that's amazing just your your fight and your resilience with all those injuries I think a lot of the times when we talk about injuries we talk about like the physical toll physical therapy and and rehab but we don't talk about you know the mental toll it takes on the individuals um you know what have you learned you know firsthand like 
how important, you know, taking care of the mental side of things is. I know you're, you know, you're a huge mental health advocate. So I guess, what would you say you've learned about, you know, the importance of mental health through all your injuries? Yeah, mental health is extremely important. It's just about as equal as physical health. It, I mean, not just about, it is equal. You know, I tell people that all the time. Like if you are injured, you go and, you know, you go and get fixed, you go and get help, you get physical therapy. So when your mental health is not doing well, you do the same thing. It's the same exact, it should be held to the same. Yeah. Standard. And I think a lot of times with athletes, then for me, mentally it was tougher than the physical mm-hmm. because your mental thoughts of like, oh my gosh, will I be the better player? Will I, will I be good again? Will I be yeah. horrible? Will I play? Will I, all these things are going to go through your head. And I think getting your mind in check and, and, you know, when you're doing that, when you're reading books, you know, listening to podcasts, watching, you know, videos that help motivate you, it makes you a better player because you're inspiring yourself at the same time. So I think that's really cool about mental health is when you can learn to take negatives into positive and find opportunity in the negative, you can use that to be better. Yeah. You know? like, it's not all about the physical. If you can inspire yourself, cause you know, it's hard. It's hard to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing you mm-hmm. know like in life in general like say you get to Syracuse a lot of people like get to division one and they're like oh I got here I'm done no the work just begun so yeah. how do you continue to inspire yourself I think with working on your mental health that helps you mm-hmm. so I think that's extremely important is to find ways to cope and that's where I um really have tried to help others is like inspire them when they're feeling down when they're feeling you know this and that to find ways to cope with it naturally and that's, that's kind of where I, I um, took a big stand this year with Warren's message is just, you know, knowing you're not alone, knowing there's other people that have gone through what you're going through, lean on each other, listen to what others have done. It might help you. A book I read might help someone else. Like, you know, like share these things, yeah. share your experiences and stuff like that. Yeah. So like, you know, what are some, you know, the piece of advice you would give to people struggling with mental health? maybe as it relates to injury or just as it relates to life in general? Yeah, I think for people that are struggling with mental health, I think the first thing is to get, you know, help. I think you can find so many, I have a list of podcasts that I sent out. I think for me, what my major thing would do, when I would do with something would bother me is I would first sit down and cry, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone has to accept the harsh realities of life. And we know that they are tough life's not easy, but you have to come to terms with it. You can't keep pushing it back to the back of your head. You know, like a lot of times people don't want to talk about it. No, talk about it. Sit down and cry, cry about what's going on. Things, life's not always easy, but then for me personally, I kneel down and pray. You can kneel down and find motivation, whatever works for you. And then you stand up and act. The third part is so important to stand up and do something about it. Right. But you have to go through the first two steps to do number three. Yeah. Hope when you stand up and you're like, okay, yeah, this sucks, but how am I going to, how can I get better from this? Find that opportunity in the negative. And mm-hmm. you know, for me, when I tore my ACL, I was like, oh, this is just God telling me I need to get better and stronger. And then I'll be a better player. I came back a better player. And yeah. even though in the second time it happened, came like, okay, so what's the flipping plan here? Yeah. And the plan was to inspire people with mental health. I became such a, pa- like, so passionate about mental health yeah. after this surgery. I'm like, there it is. That was my purpose. You know, and that's my major advice to people is always take opportunity in the negative because there is as much as it's hard to see in that moment. If you really look into it, you'll find something that makes sense for you. Yeah, 100%. That's such great advice. And I think the the first two steps you mentioned are so important because often they can be the hardest part because like, unlike a physical injury, you can't 
necessarily see it. So like other people can't see the injury for you. You have to kind of recognize that and seek out the help yourself, which I think is, is super hard for, for anyone really. So that's, that's really great advice. Um, I know I actually read your story through the hidden opponent, which is a platform I, I absolutely love. You know, I play volleyball myself. So Victoria Garrick is someone who I just absolutely adore. Um, but on, um, you know, the article that you wrote, you talked about, you know, you also struggled with body image as well, which is something a lot of um, female athletes and, and just people in general struggle with. So what would you say, you know, like, what would you describe your experience with body image and, and what was your takeaways and advice you'd give to other people struggling? Yeah, body image is something that I think so many female athletes struggle with. And it's so hard because it's like you see on social media what you think you should be, right? Like yeah. you see all these models, you see, but in reality, they don't even look like that. Yeah. So my advice to people is I obviously struggled really bad because when I got hurt, I was big into working out. I love working out. I, I love shooting. I love doing all those things. And when I got that strip for me, I was like, oh my God, the only thing I can control is how much I eat. Mm, yeah. And that was hard because, you know, in that time you needed to eat more to feel your body, but you're yeah. thinking I need to eat less. So that was the battle that I had. And when I finally came to terms with it was when it was just my last like surgery. I remember just working out and doing, you know, and just, I was like, you know, I want to eat this. I'm going to eat this. I just started doing it and I saw no change in my body. I looked the same. Yeah. I felt better. And I'm like, so why was I doing what I was doing before? Because I'm eating all this stuff and I feel fine. Now I do think that athletes should try to eat remotely healthy, but if you want to have ice cream, I have ice cream every single night. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's, it's, yeah. it's something I need, and I, I'll never feel guilty about that anymore. Yeah, and I think it's extremely important for female athletes to know that. Like my dad would always tell me, you either want to look like a model or you want to be an athlete, because realistically, the models they don't have to fuel as much as people that are running nonstop and lifting nonstop. They still mm -hmm. eat, but it's, we have to. We're burning two thousand calories a day. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, that's, that's how much our, you know, our Apple watches would say after practice. And I'm like, if you're not refueling times 10 of that, you're never yeah. going to be a great athlete. So yeah. you have to decide what social media tells you you should look like, because it's just not realistic. It's just not at all. And me, I'm a tall, lean girl. And I always struggle with that because, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're so skinny. You're so skinny. But I never saw myself that way. And it was so yeah. hard for me to listen to people because it would drive me crazy. I'm like, yes, you guys think this, you think this, but I don't feel this. Yeah. And recently I've just become to love my body and know that like my knees, you know, like I've been, my body's done so many amazing things for me. And the least I can do is repair it with the proper nutrients that it needs. And I think yeah. that that's what every, you know, athlete, every person needs to know is like, there's a way to eat healthy and still eat enough and eat delicious foods. And like, yeah. Like I found so many like healthier alternatives. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous nowadays what they come out with that tastes yeah. so good. And it's like, you can eat that stuff. Like you can, you know, like, and you can have a burger, like I'll go out to dinner, you know, you can do these things like, and maintain what you, you feel good about. So that's just kind of how I've taken my stance with body image. Yeah. I mean, it's so important to just kind of listen to your body and not necessarily listen to the standards set by social media and other people and comments and all that stuff. Like when you said, 
you know, I, I'm also like tall and, and, and pretty lean. And so I resonated a lot when you said, you know, people always tell you you're too skinny or you're, you know, you should, you know, eat more, but you, you feel different inside. So I totally resonated with what you said. And I think it's just important to listen to, to your body and what you need and how you need to fuel. So hundred percent. Yeah. When you're talking, when you're talking to other people, like, no, it's not okay to tell people like, oh, you're so skinny. Like, oh, like that's, that's hurtful to people as you know, it goes both ways. Body image does. So I think people need to start realizing that too, is like, as you wouldn't want someone to talk one way, you wouldn't want them to talk the other way too. So it's just, you need to be very aware of how you speak to others. And like, it's not really a compliment telling people that they're skinny Mm -hmm. or telling people that they're, you know, thick those things aren't really compliments to a lot of people. So just be aware of that. And like, yeah. maybe the old social norm was that's the cool thing to say, but it's not now. Yeah. So just, you know, just I try to stay away from those comments, you know? Yeah. You just never know what people are feeling inside mm-hmm. and what they're going through. So if you stay away from those comments, you'll, that's, that's the best. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, surrounding the conversation of mental health right now I'm sure you've heard you know Naomi Osaka pulled out of the French Open and and um you know made a statement saying she wasn't going to do any press before that um but what are you what are your thoughts on you know her pulling out and just kind of like the response surrounding that I think she's had an overwhelming overwhelmingly positive response and I think that has a lot to do with the way mental health has been promoted this year especially and I'm very grateful for that for her because obviously training at that level is tough. So she has all this pressure. And I think you can only be a successful athlete if you have your physical and mental health under control. So I really applaud her for taking the proper steps to know her body, know what she feels like and know what she needs for success. She's going to be fine. She's going to, you know, she's going to overcome this mental health stuff. She's going to work on it, cope with it, get better. And she's going to come back 10 times better than she was before. Yeah. And I think it's a mature thing for her to do. And it really set a precedent for other people that feel the same way to be like, listen, she, she did this. I can do this too. Yeah. If I'm struggling. I'm going to get that under control. Cause think about it. If you sprained your ankle, right. You're not probably going to go back out there and play until it's healed. It's the same yeah. thing with mental health. I think it's super, super important that she made that decision for herself. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Like, you know, how much more we value or, or look at physical injuries versus mental health. So I think that's that's a that's a great way to look at it. Um, you know, obviously you're a mental health advocate and, and we're talking about mental health right now. What impact do you want to have on others who listen to your story, hear your story and and, and are watching you right now? Yeah, I think I just want people to know that you are not alone. Like, that's the number one thing I want people to know. And like, if you, it needs to be more of an open door policy. Like, I need people to know that you can reach out to me if you're ever struggling or having problems like this, like, you know, like if in sports or in life in general, and you need someone to talk to, I am that outlet for people because I think a lot of times people don't want to be a burden. And I think by exposing my vulnerability with people shows that I'm a, I'm a credible source when wanting to talk to them, because it's not easy to come forward about this issue that you've dealt with, but behind closed doors, if someone can see the vulnerability in me and then want to talk to me about their own issues behind closed doors, that's exactly what I want to get out of this. If, If nothing else, inspire others to know that you can overcome anything that you put your mind to. Yeah, 100%. Vulnerability is is so is strong. It's like it's strength embodied. Um, but, you know, I want to switch gears a little bit, talk a little bit more fun stuff. I know we talked about your injuries at Syracuse, but I'm sure you've had your fair share of awesome memories there. 
Um, what are some of your favorite memories or little things that come to mind that, you know, were, were just super fun? Um, so one of the, like the most fun things that I did at Syracuse was my senior year. We went 2019, right before COVID, we went to Florida and we'd always get these like houses, like these really nice, like mansion houses. Like Ooh. it would be like, we'd split up in a group. So it'd be like 10 people in this one, 10 people in this one. We had our own pool, like at our own, um, house and then like we'd go to like we would be in Florida we'd go practice we'd come back and all hang out and buy groceries for our house and cook for each other it was so much fun and like we got to go to I think we went to Disney one day like you could pick if you wanted to go or not and it was just truly I had an amazing time and then after we left it was our spring spring break after we left there we went to Nashville because you're playing Louisville Mm-hmm. And we went and, you know, went line dancing and like, that yeah. was like, to a T, that was the most fun I've ever had of playing a sport. Like just being around my friends in that house and like, honestly, like we were like cooking for each other, you're, like taking cute pictures outside. Like yeah. it was a truly fun experience. And yeah. I'll never forget that. I have so many pictures. I always keep them on my phone because whenever I'm down, I'm like, oh, I miss these girls. Like, I love this trip. It was an amazing trip. And I, and that was my first year when I came back. My senior year was the first year I could play since high school. And just to have that experience, I was playing well. And then like, you know, like it, it all felt like so surreal in that moment. And I don't know, that was like, honestly, like it brings me so much joy talking about it. Yeah. I mean, traveling with your teammates and like friends in general is just so fun. Like anywhere you go. <laughs> um, okay. Two, I have three more questions for you. Two of them are just silly fun ones, but what's your favorite, like, tv show either you're watching right now or one you just like to binge watch um okay a tv show recently i've been okay so i really liked firefly lane i just started that on netflix i finished it and i'm like waiting they left me like a cliffhanger <laughs> and i'm like come on i'm not a huge tv person if you ask like my family or my boyfriend like they always are like why don't you watch tv like i don't i can't sit still like i have to be out doing something like i'm always like i gotta get better at something like i can't be sitting watching tv <laughs> on a plane or something i finished firefly lane on the plane and mm-hmm. i loved it i was like oh my gosh like and so i'm excited <laughs> for outer banks too to come back out i hate oh, this yeah. i wish all the seasons were just on there and i figured yeah. it out. you know what i mean but, yeah i know what you mean i mean that was the best like early quarantine when outer banks yes. out that was such a vibe. <laughs> yes, it was. I know. Um, what is your like dream vacation? Like once all, you know, everything gets back to somewhat normal, like where do you want to go? Dream vacation. Well, I'm actually going to Florida tomorrow with my family Ooh. for a week on vacation. I'm going to Florida again, my boyfriend at the end of um, June. But if I had a dream vacation, I'd be, I'd be like Turks and Caicos, like summer and like, you know, really warm and like beachy yeah I'm like weird because like I'm either in the full beach mood or I'm like let's go on roller coasters so I don't really know but we are going to Disney my family for one day oh, that's so, so we'll fun. See that goes, but, that's yeah. awesome we'll have so much fun there <laughs> um okay so my last question I asked all the women that I interviewed this but what do you think is the most important thing that we teach young women today confidence and be true to who you are and know who you are and don't let people ever try to make you be someone otherwise. If you love fashion, if you love being extra, if you love wearing big sunglasses and dressing cool, but you live in an area that doesn't really do that, who cares? If that's you, you do it, you rock it. Don't mm-hmm. do it because everyone else isn't doing it. You know, like 
I found, I'm like big into like just being out there wearing like fancy stuff. And I'm from like a farm town, right? Like, <laughs> so if I walk around like that, people are staring at me and I don't care. I'm like, that's me. That's Morgan Alexander. I love that stuff. And I'm going to continually do it no matter who looks at me funny or, you know, whatever. I don't care. That's me. Don't ever not be yourself because you're trying to fit into the norm. That's my biggest advice to people. I love that. Thank you again for taking the time and talking with me. This was super fun and, and super insightful and, you know, have fun in Florida and good luck with everything. Can't wait to see you, you know, on ESPN one day, just killing it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me.